0: Your positive, 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 imprint. Imprint. imprint, 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive actions inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint.
1: <laughs> yep, listen to those fireworks. Well, I'm celebrating you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Today is my 100th episode. At the end of today's episode, my guest, Tim Crofton, will share a special 100th dessert recipe from Uganda. Well, this is part one with guest Tim Crofton from the Diverse Baking blog, Just Desserts Around the World. Here we go. Thank you again for listening to 100 Positive Imprints. Hello, this is Katherine, your host of Your Positive Imprint, the variety show podcast featuring exceptional people around the world who inspire positive thought and action. Exceptional people are always rising to the challenge. Get inspired. Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? Well, follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Twitter, What's Your PI. Connect with me on LinkedIn, and don't forget I have a YouTube channel where I'm slowly posting some videos, which are now available. And music, of course, by the very talented composer and pianist Chris Knoll. Check out his fabulous music and different genre at chrisknoll.com. Don't forget that's C H R I S. N-O-L-E dot com. Join my email list and continue listening from my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, or as always, listen from iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or simply your favorite podcast platform. And please tap that subscribe, download, or follow button, as well as that five-star rating. I would love the support, and remember, this is a free podcast your positive imprint what's your PI so we're going to go around the world in a very different way here we go I just love it so my question what do these have in common and I don't know if I'm saying them right but let's see what did these all have in common shaku banana poey green brulee Baklava, (laughs) pastelitos. (laughs) So, what do these have in common? Well, I will give you a hint. Lots of delightful sugar and lots of wonderful tastes, but they're tastes of the different cultures around the world. My guest today, Tim Crofton, is a baker, and he has his own blog from his kitchen. Just desserts, Tim. Welcome to the show. Oh
0: gosh, Cat, you are kind. It's <laughs> lovely to be here. I know we're going to have a we're going to have a, a, a lovely time. I can feel it.
1: Oh, I know I'm going to have a lovely time yeah. because I'm staring at something in the middle of this table. Right, I'm anxious to get to it. Wh- but we'll get yeah. to it in we'll, a bit, we'll right? we'll get to
0: it, of course.
1: Tim, let's go back to England. Sure, sure, Let, sure. Let's talk about who you are and the, and. Uh, Yeah, the inspirations you have found along the way, your path over here.
0: Well, um, Kat, it's uh, it's, uh, uh, odd for me because I'm so unmistakably English uh, to everybody I speak to. But, you know, I left England, uh, went to Canada to be with my now wife, Melissa. Uh, We had our children in Canada um, and we... Uh, We we went on some wild trips uh, to work in Malaysia and for a short while in China. But we came to New Mexico in 2003.
1: Yeah. Well, now you you did your schooling, obviously, in England. And (laughs) I remember you telling a story once about one of the professors who quite inspired you. Yes. Dramatically,
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I had that. Uh, there's a bit of me that feels ashamed to say it, but I, <laughs> uh, but I, I had a very, very uh, snooty. Um, what in England <laughs> is called a, a public school education? It's, that's that's confusing because uh, uh, in America, a public school education is what in England we would call uh, a state education or a comprehensive education, But um, yeah, I went to a very, very snooty school, and not only did I go to a snooty school, uh, but I went to the same school that my father went to um, and my grandfather. The joke I always make is uh, they studied classics at Oxford, and... Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> i
0: I studied theater um, so um there is no doubt uh yeah that the teachers I had at my school um in england were were some of the most extraordinary educators, and uh for me. It has always been trying to, um, quite, trying to match their level of commitment um, and insight uh, and uh, and brilliance uh, that I've done as and always wanted to do as an educator. I, I, I fear I haven't quite made it, uh, but uh, yes, I was very lucky. And then um, I left England. Uh, after I'd qualified as a journalist uh, and moved to ch- uh, to Canada where I very quickly went to university and did a couple of undergraduate degrees there, one in theatre one in education um, at the University of Victoria and uh, met my wife Melissa we had three children but for me I've always, whilst perhaps my approach to be, uh, to teaching isn't exactly the same as my rather Classical, uh, traditional education. I think I'm a, a little bit more progressive in my yes. approach, uh, and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, but I do, uh, really, um, my my high school education left the hugest impression on me. And I still feel incredibly proud of my school and what uh, that amazing institution gave me. I should tell you the name of the school. Uh, It's called Tunbridge School. Uh, The snooty schools in England usually just have one name. You might have heard of Eton, or you might have heard of Harrow, or you might have heard of Winchester. Uh, I am Tunbridge. Uh, yeah. And I sometimes they have to say it with a frightful posh accent uh, uh, just to really get you in the mood. Yes, <laughs> there you go. A little <laughs> bit
1: of drama from Tim Crofton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're lucky enough to be able to be here in person. We're not on Skype, <laughs> which is great. And, but we are social distancing. We, of course, you know, I have my 15-foot mic cord. So, hey, Tim, across there at the table. Could you speak up? Can't quite hear you. I'm trying <laughs> Oh, hey, the yodeling. International yodeling was this month, or last month in August. International Day of Yodeling.
0: Now that is a segue amongst segues, Kat. How you did that, <laughs> I don't know. Effortless, seamless.
1: <laughs> oh, so yes. So the garden—it's great. Now, a lot of the ingredients, I don't know if they would go into your just desserts, but you have this cultural blog. Right. And it's amazing. I love it.
0: I did bring, I did, uh, I, as you know, I, I brought a, a little sample. So l- l- let me just quickly explain to the uninitiated what's going on. Because I, uh, I uh, uh, as I think I've made clear for a long time, uh, I have and my wife have taught internationally. And we've taught in a few places uh, around the world. Uh, and I've been uh, lucky enough to work with some of the the most extraordinary young men and women from all corners of the world. And uh, about a year and a half ago, um, I was trying to come up with a way of uh, keeping in contact with all those gorgeous people. I made a pledge to cook... A dessert from every country in the world and and I I thought it best that I go alphabetically because if you do it regionally the differences are, are more subtle than if for instance you go from let's say um, Antigua, Antigua to uh, Where would be another a Uh, Australia? Oh, Australia! So you you know you're moving around the world, so so uh, you get a lot of contrasting. So my thinking was to um, connect with as many students as possible from those nations and ask them for either their favourite dessert from home or for what they considered to be uh, quintessentially of their country, and. And um, as I say, I, start, I started that uh, um, maybe uh, about a year and a half ago. And the one you have in front of you is from uh, South Sudan. Um, and it is called Full Sudani. Full Sudani, which is very, very simple dessert. Very, It reminds me of a macaroon. It's sort of chewy, um, which, and you create that chewiness by whipping up egg whites uh like a meringue almost yeah. and then putting some icing sugar confectioners sugar um they're oh, so easy
1: i, I want to guess an ingredient oh
0: okay well so that's that, there's two You you guess the other two then okay uh, well by so,
1: looking at it i can't <laughs> but but if i taste it maybe i could come upon
0: i say Give it a nibble, cat. Okay. Get your so teeth So, what into were your
1: first two? You said I confectioner's said, sugar. I
0: said confectioner's sugar and egg whites. Um, the okay. egg whites, as I say, you whip up until stiff. Um, and I th- I'm just trying to think. I used four egg whites. Whip them up like a meringue. And then I into those four whipped egg whites, whip them for a good 10 minutes so they're stiff like polystyrene. Uh, Then I put a cup very gently and at low speed. Mm. Uh, I put a cup of icing sugar, I I think uh, confectionate sugar. Uh, And then I put two other things in there, Um, Kat. um,
1: This is delicious. Let's see. Okay. Okay. I'm sure the listeners can hear crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> <laughs> mm. it's, I love the Almond?
0: texture. Close. Uh, it is nutty, but not uh, nutty. almondy.
1: What is that nut?
0: I did roast these. This particular nut, which is it's actually peanuts, roasted peanuts. Um, really. So they were. They still had their skin on. So I roasted them. Got them nice and hot, and then, using my hands, I rubbed this, uh, the skins off, ground them up into like a coarse flour, uh, put that into the meringue mixture, and then added just a, just a tiny bit of uh, vanilla. Uh, the recipe actually called for a vanilla bean, but uh, I, I didn't have any in the house today.
1: So it's the egg whites that are keeping the cookie together. Absolutely. And not, so you have no flour in this? No. Nope. Wow, this is... This is very good. It is lovely, isn't it? And so it is simple, yeah. The full Sudani yeah. dessert.
0: It it is full Sudani, yeah. Uh, And so next, I'm I'm a tiny bit intimidated, uh, Kat, because there are certain countries, uh, obviously um, I'm from England, and so doing the English one filled me with a certain amount of trepidation. I am American too, even though I don't sound uh, very American, but I am American. There are so many amazing uh, American desserts. Is once I finish uh <laughs> sorry to laugh at myself I, just, uh, uh, I, I think these things and then when the words come out of my mouth they sound sort of vaguely ridiculous. but uh, but I, after I finished uh, all the nations of the world I'm going to go back uh, and do the nations that I'm from so I'm going to do counties in England uh, I'm going to do states in America and uh, also I'm going to do provinces in Canada uh, because you can't do America justice with an apple pie or a Mississippi mud pie or a, a banana cream pie there's so many amazing desserts uh, sure. and uh, in New Mexico it would probably be some well it would probably be a flan wouldn't it I think in New Mexico or a or a fruity uh, empanada of some kind yeah
1: yeah yeah, we do a, we do pastelitos here too right. with apricot. Yeah,
0: mm. D-
1: mm,
0: naughty, naughty, naughty. How divine! <laughs>
1: <laughs> so now you mentioned something just a, a few seconds, a couple of minutes ago that you don't sound American, and I just want to reiterate that United States is a very multicultural country. Of course
0: country. it is. Of course and it is.
1: we are citizens of the world.
0: Well, here, here. Yes. There's a citizen of the world, uh, yes, I agree with you, mm-hmm, okay. I, I do speak a little bit of dog, uh, although I'm only at the beginner level. Uh,
1: <laughs> what was he, he yeah. saying? <laughs>
0: What about a dog biscuit? I think was what he was saying. Uh, uh, I actually have made biscuits for our our doggies. Uh, They, uh, but they're very, very, very easy to make and not desperately exciting. Uh,
1: That's the one thing that I have to make a lot of because our dog is allergic to most other proteins. She has Uh, the inflamed bowel disease. Oh, okay. And so we have to give her chicken. Right. With her dog food. Right. And I make her biscuits. And it's out of white rice flour, chicken broth, and pumpkin. And that's it.
0: How lovely.
1: I know. And she loves them.
0: And uh, uh, I'm guessing they are nice and crunchy on the they outside. They are very but crunchy. But with a tiny bit of chew in the, well, not chew, but uh, a little bit moisture in the middle, I think.
1: By the time they're out of the oven, they're pretty much a
0: biscuit. <laughs>
1: so not much. And well,
0: doggies like a uh, like something to get their teeth into.
1: Uh,
0: uh, yes, they need need something to crunch a bit.
1: Now my problem, and maybe you can help me with this, but my problem with making the biscuits is I can never get them even when I roll it out. So you get some biscuits th- th- that are th- so uh, thin that they'll start to burn in the oven while right. others are a little bit thicker and they take longer. So,
0: Well, for me, Kat, that is... Uh that is part of uh, the love of uh, homemade food. Yeah. It isn't perfect. <laughs> uh, perfect perfect food happens on conveyor belts and factories. There you go. Uh, it, it, you, the love comes with a little bit of, dis, uh, you know, disformity. Uh, so I say don't worry about it. Well, <laughs> if
1: my dog's not going to worry about it. <laughs> then I shall not. <laughs> so I have some, yeah. uh, well, before I go to these desserts that I named in the beginning, just to, to test your knowledge on where they come from. Oh, and go on man.
0: <laughs> go on. I'll see what I can do. I you, you know, it is... Um, uh, <laughs> I'll see what I can do, (laughs) but I'm not going to uh, promise instant recall on them.
1: But before we do that, so I want to just talk a little bit about your experiences in China, because you actually went down there to set up a baccalaureate school.
0: Yes, that's right. Which
1: is totally incredible.
0: Right uh well we we left china we it, it was complicated um, i mean uh, 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 one of our big complications is that we took uh two of our children and uh, one of our children has some f- fairly extreme uh, mental health uh, challenges that he deals with. Uh, And China is not a nation that really, well, certainly at the moment anyway, it's not a nation that really spends much time uh, considering mental health, um, and so uh, support for uh, us was non-existent, and it really became quite a struggle uh, for us in that regard. But yeah, we were in China for nearly uh, nearly two years. Yeah, um, and we were setting up a college there, and we've you know we've got a doggy fan club going on we here do. they they heard talk of dog biscuits uh, <laughs> and, and they started they're putting out. in orders yeah, okay i've got extra beef in the corner <laughs> uh we've got a light gravy from uh behind me there uh they're not upstaging me because if they are, ooh, no bickies for them. But yeah, we went to uh, we went to China and we went to a tiny uh, uh, what in Chinese terms is a, a sort of a town. Which was four million people. Um, uh, it was called Changshu, and it that was considered a suburb of a medium-sized city called Suzhou, uh, which is sixteen million people. So, so that's two New Yorks, Wow, that's wow. two or London and New York put together. Um, your 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 sense of. Uh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's overwhelming in terms of the the amount of humanity there is, and, and the sense of personal space too. You know, in America, we we, we all have buckets of room, but um, in China, everything is very, very in close quarters. And you certainly, we all found as a family that we had to do a lot of adjusting to uh, not feel like people were really get, bursting into our bubble. But yeah, so we we lived in a a place called Changshu, and when we arrived, we lived in an apartment that uh, was on the 22nd floor, uh, and our gig was to not only uh, help oversee the building of this extraordinary facility, I mean... The cost of it was uh, in renminbi, which is the, um, is the Chinese uh, currency. Uh, I, I remember it being quoted, it was a billion renminbi. Now, what that translated into dollars, I'm not completely sure, mm-hmm. but it's more than a couple. It's a lot more than a couple. Uh, So my, uh, because I'm a theatre teacher, I had a particular focus on uh, overseeing the construction of the theatre, the installation of the equipment, the uh, the buying of the equipment, buying of chairs, draperies, you know, all all the shenanigans that come with the theatre. But then I I had a side gig. I I didn't have any experience uh, at it, aside of... Uh, a keen interest in books but my gig was to uh fill <laughs> fill the library with books it was a, it was a lovely job um, because it really uh, uh it g- it gave me an opportunity to Reflect and think about all the books that should be in a library i mean of course you 've got subject related stuff uh, and uh, I know nothing about chemistry or physics, so that those were recommended but uh, but then you know your favorite novels uh, and your favorite plays and, you know, so it, that was that was a lovely side gig that i uh, was part of my work um, and then after we'd been there for six months or so uh students started coming from around the world one of the things uh that we uh, struggled with a bit in china is that you know we consider ourselves as a family to be Pretty worldly. I mean, not insanely, but we we feel like we know uh, how to uh, make connections with people from other places without too much difficulty. I mean, I always talk about food. Um, but in China, what what I observed is that the cultural touchstones between China and the rest of the world are are often so d- different. Um, I mean. We live in America, and uh, uh, Americanism uh, has ha, has moved all over the world and into China too. But up until 1976, you know, China, China was a closed nation and had been basically closed its entire existence. I mean, I know um, Genghis Khan popped in for a bit, but it, um, it was it was closed to the outside world. China believed that everything. Uh, well, it, it was the central, uh, the central kingdom, right? Um, it's at the centre of the world, and everything outside of it was filled with barbarians. And so, uh, the, t- the Western culture and uh, African culture and South America—they've uh, they, all kind of, uh, evolved in a completely different direction. Not only in terms of food, but in terms of uh, philosophy and in terms of uh, commitment to family um, and uh, everything. So we struggled with that because, uh, I mean, the way we've always operated is by finding commonality, you know, finding what what it is that we do is the same. And, uh, you know, and ultimately... Wherever you're from, uh, you do uh, you, you know you want to be loved? You want to have a place to live. You want to have children. You want to have a partner that you're happy with. Uh, you want you you want to eat food. I mean, they're the the basics. Uh, and I I do have to say the way I was able to to uh, make connections, uh, perhaps in the way I always do, is through food. And there is you know Chinese food, sacrable. It is just incredible um, and i think it's important to uh to say that you know what we what is most usually eaten in north america um is uh southern chinese food so from uh from Guangdong and hong kong it's quite uh, it's quite sweet uh and f- uh, it has been adapted to an american palate but the idea that what you eat in a Chinese restaurant is what is uh, you know that that's what's eaten in the whole country is is crazy time. Um, I mean, you can make a rough uh, delineation that the Yangtze runs uh, across the uh, from sort of the east coast to the west coast about halfway down, and they do say. Now let me make sure I get this right. Noodles are. To the south uh, and rice to the north. Of course, they do. Uh, of course, you know there's uh, uh, interplay. But uh, but each city, each town, even each village uh, uh, has its own specialty. And so, uh, whenever you visit a family, they always want to. Well, first of all, feed you really well. And of course, uh, Chinese eating isn't in a, an individual portion in the, it, it as we so often eat in america it, it's what you would call family style so lots of different plates with lots of different tastes uh and all sorts of different things that you can try uh, and you know when you when when you go out um Everybody's keen, really keen to uh, have you taste their distinct flavor, their, the, the, their regional specialty. Um, and my particular favorite um, in Suzhou and Shanghai uh, was a thing, oh, just thinking about it makes me go <laughs> weak at the knees. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's called a soup dumpling um, and I I have made them they're quite uh, uh, they're not that tricky uh, but it's like um, it's a soft noodle, and into that soft noodle, uh, you know, like a wonton, into that wonton you put uh, flavoured pork. But the important thing is that you put uh, jellified stock uh, into the mix so that when you boil it or steam it, uh, the, the jellified stock melts uh, and hence you get a soup dumpling, uh, which uh, is the... This ball of divine, usually porky, uh, pork... uh, center, but that is surrounded by this divine stock. Uh, and so when you eat a soup dumpling, you pick it up with the spoon, and if you're doing it properly, you take a little nibble out of the side of the wonton or the noodle wrapper, slurp uh, as loudly as you can in my case, but <laughs> slurp it out the soup, which is just divine and then you dip the the remaining what is like a almost like a wonton into a mixture of black vinegar and uh chili chili paste i oh i want to go home right now and make me some soup dumplings can they are just insanely good
1: delicious. well it, it really is so
0: lovely um, another big specialty was a thing called a, a hairy crab which doesn't sound <laughs> desperately uh, appetizing but there is a lake uh, just by Suzhou that is home to this rare and highly sought after uh, hairy crab and at all weddings that you go to invariably uh, a sign of, uh, of pride and celebration is the hairy crab yes I've I've made my way through a few hairy crabs they're not desperately big they're about the size of a cell phone and so unlike a I don't know a Dungeness or an Alaskan where you get half an arm's worth of crab meat when you break a leg you really have to work quite hard at it Uh, but it is it's divine again really just incredible
1: (laughs) the spices obviously you know quite a bit about spices as well right and, and use the spices. That's that's where I need definite help on is what spices to use for what dishes and how to get the flavor out, you know, of certain yeah, dishes. Yeah. So
0: well, look. The trick, cat, uh, invariably with any spice, um, is. To heat it up, uh, really, because the oils in the spice uh, b- become excited uh, and more more flavorful. And you you usually know when uh, your spice has been roasted. in the, I mean, I always do it in a frying pan, but you you know because you can really start to smell that spice very clearly. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, the, we were we were quite uh, I mean, Szechuan province um, was uh, was a fair way away from Jiangsu, which was the province we were in, uh, but of course. Sichuan is famous for its very hot, numbing uh, pepper. There were lots of uh, Sichuan restaurants and uh, certainly I tried my hand at it. But that is distinctive of that uh, province. I'm trying to think what Jiangsu would have been in terms of... I mean, actually, what it's really famous for is not so much its spice, but its uh, condiments. So um, even actually uh, when I... <laughs> When I came back and I was dying for some black vinegar, uh, I was able to find some in um, uh, a specialty shop. uh, And the black vinegar was actually made in Suzhou. uh, And also they're they're very well known for their chili paste, too, uh, which is... um, Yeah, I mean, it's what it sounds like. So let's go
1: to the black vinegar. Yeah. How do they, is it made from something different than your regular white distilled vinegar? Or do they add something to it?
0: Well, now you're talking. Um, I Do you would, mean you've
1: never looked into the ingredients <laughs> you're putting in your food?
0: <laughs> I'm a naughty, naughty boy. I'm a naughty boy, but I will as soon as I get home. Yeah. Uh, uh, cat. Uh, but no. I, I mean, I'm trying to think, what would it be made of? Uh, I mean, it's very black. Uh, it looks like soy sauce, but I, I it couldn't possibly be. I mean, it has to be something... Um, a bit more alcoholic, but I guess soy can be very alcoholic depending on how you prepare. Yeah. I'm afraid I don't know, uh, but if you get one of your listeners to edify me, I would be very grateful, but uh, I, uh, I'll i do a Googlification uh, <laughs> Once we're done. But it's so strong. It's like... Um, it's nothing like as sweet as, as a balsamic vinegar. Uh, but it is so flavorful. Um, I mean, it, it's it, it's like so many things. Uh, I don't know if you've had this experience. But you can be... When you drink ouzo in Greece or when you drink um, rosé in uh, the south of France, uh, it tastes... Sublime. Uh, you then try it back at home and yeah, somehow lose exactly the context right. of it all. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, whenever we went out um, in Changshu, uh, my family were generally appalled by the things that I wanted to eat. I really enjoyed uh, jellyfish um, and ate lots of seaweed. There's a, f- a famous thing called stinky tofu. Oh, this will charm the pants off oh, you. Oh, interesting. We, we, used to, <laughs> we, we, we used to go to um, a, a market in Suzhou, uh, and it had an incredible incredible uh all sorts of different stands uh, uh where you could where each stand specialized in a different food uh and I'm you know I'm not being ridiculous you could if you wanted to get deep fried beetles and scorpions and um that sort of thing uh I I went for the the squid the barbecued um, squid legs which were very good but When we first went there, um, we were standing buying stuff, and there was this hideous, like, outhouse that has been sitting (laughs) in the sun all summer, just hideous smell. Um, I I said to – we had a translator with us, and I said – Why? Why would they set up uh, a food stand near such a a revolting smell? And the chap just laughed and laughed and laughed. And he said, oh, no, that. That stinky tofu, <laughs> uh, uh, and stin- stinky tofu is a, 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 a is something uh, that is considered, I think, quite manly. Um, I was uh, when uh, the first time I ate it, uh, uh, it was I was with um, a group of men who were joking around and saying, "Oh, you know, you, you should try some stinky tofu." <laughs> uh, I, oh, uh, but you know, there is a certain pr in stinky tofu um, it is tofu that is from uh, that is left to sit in fermenting cabbage juice oh. uh, and um, it I' don't, if you've ever eaten durian which is a, a sort of tropical fruit it smells um, uh, it really it, it takes Everything you can uh, muster up to get this foul-smelling thing into your mouth. But when it's in, it, it, it's uh, it's not uh, unpleasant at all. Uh, but Melissa was telling me the other day that when we were at camp together, we met at camp in on Vancouver Island, I would impress my uh, campers by eating the, uh, the food waste bucket. Uh, so whatever was on anybody's plate in the entire camp, they would throw into this bucket. Uh, and if you've got zero food waste uh, there was a big cause for celebration so just to help us all get zero food waste I'd eat the food waste so I do have you know I'm Tory in. I've got a stomach of steel uh, all things can go wrong but it'll never be my tummy yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go to this list and then we're gonna go to this blog of yours because yeah, yeah. it's you do videos, you I mean you you've come a long way with this and it, it is a lot of fun. Especially since you've taken the cultural part of it and you you always include something about the culture right. with it. So I had to choose, so I won't use all of these, because obviously I chose ones that I could pronounce. Okay. <laughs> but I'll ask you to choose some from your head.
0: I really have learned so, I'm so sure much you have. Uh, about desserts, and I, I guess uh, found so many commonalities and differences. But what you will generally find with sub-Saharan um desserts is, I think that a dessert, first and foremost, is quite a western construct. So... Uh, and it's also, I mean, the richer the nation, the, the flashier the, de- the dessert is usually. So, as you might imagine, in, in many sub-Saharan nations, desserts are quite simple. Uh, and they will often focus, um, I mean, often will focus on fresh fruit. Um, and sometimes there will be fruit in a dessert. Uh, but this one was lovely, actually. Very simple. I I seem to remember it being... Um, almond flour with a bit of oil and an egg and then um, deep frying it Uh, but it uh, it looked almost like a a uh, how do you say, I want to say gnocchi but gnocchi or gnocchi gnocchi. Uh, I I get, that's one of those words I get muddled up depending on where in the world I am, but anyway, but I did want to say before before you try and uh, see if I can remember, uh, there's only one nation that I've Come across that doesn't have dessert, uh, and I want you to guess what it is.
1: Oh my gosh! A nation that does not have it
0: really has nothing. And I consulted with people of that, you know, old students from that Haiti. nation. Hmm? Haiti. No. Um, Haiti, I, I think, has a surprisingly rich dessert. Uh, um, so, world.
1: which part of is it Northern Hemisphere or Southern Hemisphere? I'm going
0: to uh, I'm going to give you Asia to begin with.
1: Asia, my gosh, I, I have a lot of desserts from from Asia.
0: It it is uh,
1: Mongolia.
0: That's a very good guess. Uh, and it's very close. It's actually Bhutan. Um, ah. And Bhutani uh, culture centers around yaks. I mean, it actually, uh, in much the same way that Mongolia does. What they finish a meal with is yak milk, hot, uh, warm yak milk. Yes. So I did make that. Uh, and it, uh, what's so interesting is that it's, uh, again, contrast and difference that you have uh, from different parts of the world. I mean, one of the things that uh, became very clear to me in the process uh, is that American desserts tend to be very sugar-forward, very sweet. I am mean, not all, uh, but there's a lot... Uh, what students and um, people eating uh, the desserts I make have commented is oh it's lovely but it's not very sweet is it it it, it tends to be a lower lower amount of sugar in many um, many desserts do
1: you know what that might contribute to is it other countries have less supply yeah, I mean, it's a,
0: it's a great question. Uh, uh, I mean I, I mean I know the history of sugar production uh, ultimately uh, was pushed, pushed forward by the British during their time of empire. So they uh, used slavery to create sugar in sugar plantations in the Caribbean. English desserts, or as we call them in England, puds or puddings. Uh, which covers all the desserts. It's not simply, you know, a thick custody type thing. You know, English desserts aren't overly overly sweet, so, uh, I mean, if that were the... I don't know. I mean, I think um, Americans just have an appetite for sugar. Um, I mean, I think it might be something to do with sugar as a preservative in so many... I don't know. I don't know. But it's certainly been something that... Uh, I've noticed is is, is it's a, a, a constant.
1: That's a very interesting observation. So looking it back at all of these different recipes mm-hmm. and the different countries and the, the culture, why don't you choose uh, three countries and, <laughs> <laughs> okay, and okay. talk about the differences. Okay. Next week is part two with Tim Crofton as he continues his joy of food from around the world. And now a recipe he will share for the 100th episode celebration. My YouTube channel, Your Positive Imprint, has a video of Tim baking this delightful 100th episode dessert. Today we're celebrating... We're celebrating your 100th episode! That's
0: insane!
1: <laughs> I love it! I'm so excited! Well,
0: huge, huge congratulations!
1: Well, thank what, you! Uh, what
0: an amazing milestone! A hundred. A century.
1: Woo! You are going to bake a one of your diverse desserts. Right. For the 100th episode. Okay, right? well,
0: I'm, we're off to Uganda, uh, which is eastern Africa. It's close to, I'm trying to think, Tanzania, Kenya, uh, Somalia, that, that bit over there. Uh, and I'm going to make a pineapple and nut loaf. <laughs> oh my gosh uh, no
1: chocolate that's awesome
0: <laughs> uh, it, it, it is uh, apparently a uh, unmistakably ugandan dessert so uh, we'll we'll get ourselves into we'll get ourselves into a bit of trouble uh here cat
1: so what do we have here so
0: i have uh, roasted some peanuts Peanuts um, uh, are a big part of African desserts, as you might expect, so is coconut, so is banana. Uh, almost invariably uh, part of um, an African desert. So, North African is slightly different because that becomes more Middle Eastern, but certainly in sub-Saharan Africa. I've never been to Uganda. Uh, I would love to go. Uh, I've only been to Northern and Western Africa. Uh, When I first left high school, I hitchhiked across the Sahara (laughs) Desert. Really, uh, I went with uh, a friend from school. I guess we were... Uh, we were about, let me see, we were 18 or 19 years old, I think. And we wanted to experience the world. But uh, we went across the Western Western Sahara. It was quite an adventure because the Sahara doesn't have any roads going through it. They have what they call piste, um, which is hard sand. And as you go across th- through the desert, you see... <coughs> The, uh, the shells of that chopping. That's me chopping. Do you yeah. hear that? that <laughs> this, is, this is touchy-feely radio. You can hear it. You can feel it. I'm sorry you can't taste it. Um, but, yeah, so we, as you're going through the desert, you just see all of these um, cars that have got stuck in the sand. And uh, rather than call out a tow truck, which, of course, wouldn't come uh people just strip the cars down to uh, their frame and take everything onto the next oasis town so we, we, um, we traveled on the back of a date truck and we also traveled with an Italian theater troupe that was going in a, a converted school bus. but we sure had a long time uh, a great time it, it took a long quite a long time, as you might imagine. Uh, but what happens is the roads kind of connect the oases of Algeria. So I'm trying to think what those oases towns are. Insala, Taman Reset, uh and then once you get down through southern Algeria, you he- head into Niger, which is near May and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know quite why I'm talking about that, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's Africa, it's Africa-related. Okay, so what I've done here, Cat, um, is I've I kind of roughly chopped a cup of nuts, and those are going to go into my uh, dry mix, and in my dry mix I have two cups of um, whole wheat flour, a cup of bran um buh, 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 buh. what else uh there's a little bit of salt a little bit of baking soda a little bit of baking powder teaspoon of each and do you know something this has no sugar in it um, I, there will be a little bit of sweetness provided by, um, the pineapple that I will put in, but still, it's definitely going to be slightly on the, um,
1: yummy side. Well, for me. the yummy,
0: <laughs> yummy, but I guess more savory. I did, in the recipe, it did say that once it's cooled, the best way to eat it is with, uh, a, um. A, a little bit of uh cream cheese on top of it. Uh so uh yeah um okay so into this mixture uh cat I'm going to put uh, I'm going to put a cup of pineapple that I have um, made very runny. It looks so,
1: pureed. Yeah, oh, whoops. Oh, I just
0: spilt a bit on the counter. Yeah, you did. Uh, what a silly <laughs> sausage. Uh, I, th- I think I'm s- <laughs> still fine. I'm going to put a cup of this. What I've done is I've uh, essentialized it. So I've got rid of some of the excess liquid in it. Um, which, uh, I don't know. Uh, there's not much liquid in here. So i The one other thing I'm going to pop in are two eggs. Uh, Bloody boo. I can't help but think that this is going to put hairs on our chests.
1: Oh, well, (laughs) I don't know about that, Tim. Because
0: it's got a lot of roughage in here. It'll, It'll do wonders to our constitution. All we have to do now is put our loaf into our low pan, which I've already prepared because I'm just like Julia Childs, do you see? (laughs) Uh, Not quite as attractive as her. And yeah, that is just gonna go straight in there. It's sort of thick enough. Um,
1: It almost looks like a cookie dough. It does almost, doesn't it?
0: It's definitely on what we might call the the dense side.
1: All right, Mm. well, cheers.
0: Cheers, 100.
1: Woo!
0: Okay, it's the moment of truth. We're going to unveil the 100th episode <laughs> celebratory loaf. Uh, a reminder, it is a peanut and pineapple loaf from Uganda. Uh, and here we go. Nine seconds. Eight. Seven. Ooh! Five. Ooh. <laughs> it feels like New Year. Oh, it's, it looks yummy! I think exceptionally tasty but i don't know that i would classify that as a dessert
1: well i'm classifying it as the best 100th mm. episode ugandan dessert
0: it is the best congratulations cat uh, thank
1: you tim your positive imprint what's your p.i